Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. It's here. It's here, guys. We've we've made it through 2020. There's a little spotty there. Wasn't quite sure if we're going to make it all the way through, but we did by God's grace. And and now we never have to talk about it again. Right. Well, not not exactly. We uh, on Sunday, we, we did talk about it. We talked about it because as much and as easy as it is for us to get all gloomy about the misery of 2020, man, God showed up in a lot of ways. God had a lot of grace for us as a church, at, you know, in my mission community, um, in my life that we don't want to overlook. We want to take for granted. And so we spent some time uh, on Sunday morning, just looking back at the last year and what God's been able to accomplish. Um, but I, I think I dropped the ball here because it's much more than just a year of God's grace, much more than just four years of God's grace in a church plant, but going all the way back to the origins of Sacred City Moline um, and what God has done to bring us to the place where we are today and to give us some sort of a hope and a vision for the future. And so I just want to take some time in this podcast today to really go through the story uh, of, of Sacred City Moline and my story is wrapped up in that. Um, Talk through the story a little bit, and then and then look forward to 2021. And and my, you know, I don't want to re-preach my sermon, but I do want to kind of dig in a little bit more uh, and share with you what I was was thinking about and really praying for, and some of the nooks and crannies of these prayers that I have um, for 2021 as a church. Um, and so l- let me just start at the beginning uh, with my story and how I came to be a pastor, uh, church planner of Sacred City Moline. And what the Lord's had to do in my life. I, I have a story that's pretty common. I think uh, a lot of people have the story where you grew up in the church. Um, and, and a lot of people say that they grew up in the church and, and you know, maybe they were inconsistent with, um, you know, going to ch- church on Sunday mornings. But my family, church was something that we did every single Sunday. And the Sundays that we didn't go to church, we did church as a family. It was just part of our DNA as a family. We were churchgoers. Uh, my mom was a worship coordinator coordinator for uh, the church that we went to. It was a Lutheran church, actually, even a generation before her. My grandpa was a pastor in the Lutheran church. Uh, and so it was just something that was embedded into our family. I went to the church that my dad grew up in. Uh, and so from both sides of the family, just we were a, a church-going family. And, and, and my family, we carried that on. And every Sunday in the front row... Uh, sometimes unattended because, uh, my brothers and I would be up in the front row. My mom would be playing the piano. My dad would be singing, uh, and we'd be up in the front row and kind of dorking around, getting ourselves into trouble, being very distracting. If you think, man, our, I'm just going to be, let's say sometimes my son Kuiper sits up in, in the front row with me on Sunday mornings and I, 
I'm preaching and that boy can be distracting uh, to me. I don't know if anybody else notices it, but sometimes he can be distracting. But that was nothing. He had nothing on what me and my brothers would do. Sometimes we'd be playing tag in the pews, man, just jumping over each other, punching each other. But you could always count on my mom sitting behind the piano. She'd see us acting up and she'd give us that, that stank eye and give us a snap. You hear that snap from Deb Schmidt and you know you're in trouble. So that's what my life was like growing up in that front row uh, pew um, every Sunday. And, and a lot of advantages of this. I mean, like I was exposed to a lot of Bible Sunday school, vacation Bible schools. I just knew a lot about the scriptures, about Jesus. I knew that there was never a moment in my life where I ever doubted that Jesus loved me, that there was a God who made me. You know, a lot of a lot of the things that we hope for our kids, I got to experience myself. Um you know, growing up in a youth ministry and, and stuff like that. And so, but part of, part of the setback of that, it just, it kind of became routine for me. Um, it's just something that we did. I, a lot of Sundays we'd be grumbling about having to go to church. Do we have to go to church again, mom? It was like, we did that last week. Well, yeah, you got to go back. You need Jesus even more this week than you did last week. Um, and, and so it just sort of became a routine for us and, and kind of wrote. Um, and so uh, they're, they're part of, part of my just being involved in the church was like, I just had to be there. And it's kind of a bummer in that regard. But, but as I grew up and and got to be involved in a youth ministry, um, I, I experienced like people who actually really loved Jesus and wanted to see other people love Jesus. Um, a couple of relationships that really last, um, left a lasting mark on me, um, and, and placed a desire in my heart for Jesus. I just remember going to like youth camps and, uh, youth retreats and stuff. And I don't know how many times I gave my life to Jesus, uh, but it was probably up there. I would, I would imagine at least a dozen times, uh, where I was just like, this is the time Lord, make it stick. But you know, the Lord had me the whole time. Um, and, and so I got to experience what it was like to be in a community that loved me. Uh, uh, the, um, I was exposed to the Bible, God's word. I, I knew about God's love. I knew who Jesus was. I knew he died for my sins. And so there's just a lot of really good stuff about my upbringing. Um, but it, it was very shallow. I, I, I feel like the tendency is when, when you have some sort of system and structure in place, uh, you just kind of start treating it like an assembly line. And, and you just expect that when people go through this process, whether it's like a catechism class or a first communion class, or, um, you know, we had confirmation, which was a couple year long class of like teaching the basics, you know, basically here's what you should believe as a baptized person. Um, and you know, and so all that stuff is good. I'm, I'm for it. I love the education piece of it, but just where I was at, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't understand it. I didn't have this concept of discipleship. And, and so when it came time for me, um, to leave home, uh, I moved out college, uh, and I just kind of experienced this freedom of getting to do whatever I wanted to. It's like my mom wasn't telling me, you know, it's time to go to, to church on Sunday morning. I didn't have that. So it's like I, I kind of lived it up for a while, um, you know, and, and with that, you, you get exposed to uh, new experiences, new friends that may, may or not be very helpful um, in, in your discipleship. And, and that was a case where, you know, being <laughs> studied music. Um, and somehow, I don't know, it's always this case, the case this way, but, um, the music department tends to have the most sort of, uh, people who are maybe not the best influences. I don't say it that way. Um, not that they're exclusively there, but man, there was definitely not a shortage of them, uh, where I was at and I was just naive and young and I, I, I had new freedom. And so I, I, I spent my time, uh, on the weekends partying and, uh, just doing stuff that I really shouldn't be doing. Like everything, my conscience was just, you know, 
it was inflamed because it was violating is being violated so frequently by this new freedom that I had. Um, and, and it, it just kind of led to a place where I was living for the moment. Um, and this kind of went on for a few years. I, I think my sophomore year of college, I finally was like, man, I kind of miss church. I don't necessarily miss my church because I, you know, I was young. I had a bunch of negative views about it. Not that anything was super bad about it. I, you know, maybe the preaching wasn't exactly what I would enjoy right now, but, um, and music, you know, like there, I, I can be critical about it. I don't need to do that. But I started thinking, okay, I really do miss church. Uh, I, I miss going to church. I miss this sort of like the sense of a relationship that I had with God. And so my sophomore year, I, I kind of started dabbling in church again, going to church every once in a while. Um, but really, I was still doing what I wanted to do, college kid with a bunch of freedom. And, and that continued to my junior year when I transferred to University of Northern Iowa. And uh, I got up there and honestly, I was kind of burned out from the party stuff. Um, it just wasn't fun anymore. The freedom, the buzz of it wore off. And it was like, you know, you just get tired of being hung over. And, you know, uh, and so... I get to college. I'm looking forward to meeting some new friends. I really only had one friend uh, at UNI when I transferred there, and I was just hoping to to form some new relationships. and And I, I ended up sort of just getting isolated. Honestly, I, I still hung out with that buddy, but I was in the marching band. I hated being in marching band, guys. I was a music major and music education. You had to do marching band. I just hated it. Never wanted to do it. Never liked it. Really, in high school. Didn't want to do in college, but here I was stuck and, and I just had a bad attitude about it and that really put a barrier in front of any sort of relationships that I could have uh, cultivated there. Um, I, I, I got up there actually, I think very early on in that first year, I think it is. I might be having my timeline messed up. No, no, this is right. My grandma passed away and it was just one of those moments um, that, uh, that I was like, it just sort of, you're your mortality gets brought to the front of your mind. You start one of these big questions. And so I started pulling out my Bible and started reading it kind of, you know, a few times a week, I'd pull it out and read it. And I didn't really have, I wasn't good at reading my Bible. Uh, you know, I was like, well, maybe I should get into a church where they can maybe teach me the Bible a little bit better. And so, uh, I started, you know, looking around for churches and at this time, um, still kind of like my, my, one foot in, in the uh, party world and, and another foot in, you know, trying to, trying to be God's boy. Um, and I just went through a, a season of, of loneliness, deep loneliness. It felt like I, I was literally, I, I didn't have a roommate. I was by myself. Everything that I did, I just didn't like, you know, marching band. I was spending my extra time. I was jealous of my other buddies that would have all kinds of downtime. And I had to be in the practice room getting ready for juries or, you know, a, a rehearsal or something like that. My, um, my private lessons with my instructor. So it's like, I just felt like I was getting gypped from social stuff. Um, social stuff that was available to me. I, I didn't like doing it cause I didn't like what we were doing. Um, and so I just was really isolated, really lonely, and I remember going home uh, over break. And and so I would have been a junior in college. My younger brother, Isaac, would have been a freshman. And he went to Iowa State. Um, and I just remember him getting plugged in like right away with this campus ministry. And I think he was telling me about this over Christmas or something. Um, yeah, it must have been over Christmas, Thanksgiving break or something. Just tell me about his experience, about getting connected and how it's so cool to be with all these uh, Christians. People wanting to to know more about Jesus and love Jesus and, and uh, you know, be in community. And, and, you know, the way that he sh- 
was talking about was like, first of all, is very different than what my experience was growing up in the church. Um, there's just a lot more life, a lot more vibrancy to it. Um, and so I was kind of like jealous about it. And he's like, here, you should start listening to some of this music. And, you know, he gave me some music I downloaded it on my, uh, my iPod. Cause back then you don't have iPhones, it was iPods and stuff. And so downloaded it on my iPod and, um, you know, one thing when I was walking back and forth from the practice, uh, rooms, uh, on campus, I was, I lived on one end of campus practice rooms for the music hall where on the other end of campus, uh, I'd, you know, throw my headphones in and listen to, to whatever. But usually I, I wouldn't have my iPod on sh- shuffle. It would be something like I was very intentional about listening to whatever it was I had to listen to for uh, a rehearsal or whatever. Um, but for some reason, my, my, sh- my iPod got put on shuffle and, uh, the music that Isaac had shared with me, I started listening to. And one of the, one of the songs was, um, a hymn, come thou fount of every, um, of, of every blessing, golly, come thou fount of every blessing, old hymn, uh, just great, um, melody, great, um, lyrics, um, hymnody, um, good stuff. And I just remember walking across campus late at night, um, that song comes on and I, I just like the Lord got my attention. That, that song, um, really got me and, and just like walking across campus, I got tears streaming down my face. Cause one of the lines, um, is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to, to leave the God I love. And I just remember thinking like, that's where I'm at. I, I've, I've left the God I love. I've, I've left the, um, the faith that my parents had, uh, instilled in me. Uh, I've kind of got my, my feet in two different worlds and it's just, I'm not happy. I, I don't, I don't have a sense of community, all that stuff. And so that kind of really began, uh, a really awesome journey for me in my college um, time where I I got up the nerve. I, I finally found a church that I liked. Um, I had to get in a shuttle because um, I didn't know, I didn't know where I was going around town um, in Cedar Falls. And so I'd get in a shuttle hoping that I might meet somebody um, in the shuttle and make friends. And so I, I'd jump in the shuttle and go to church on Sunday mornings and I'd stick around as long as I could. They'd have a, a college meal. Um, I think it was like once a month or a couple times a month. And, and so I just like trying to meet people and, you know, I'm kind of introverted. Uh, at least then I was, I was just really uncomfortable. I insecure, I guess, lonely. I felt kind of desperate. And so I was just like waiting for somebody to come to me and, you know, and, uh, and they had this thing, um, a worship night on, on Thursday nights called basic. It was, it was a, a specifically like a worship event for college age students, um, and so I started going to that, hoping that I might meet somebody and, you know, there's definitely, I, I'd get there and I'd sneak in late. I'd leave early just cause I felt so awkward. And I was trying to get one of my buddies to come with me. Who, he doesn't, he didn't know Jesus. And it's like, well, maybe he'll, he'll meet Jesus and we can both get excited about this and sort of have some new community around us. And anyway, so it took me a while to really, really meet anybody. Um, and I just felt, uh, they made an announcement one night about these spring break mission trips. And so, I, I was like, well, that, that could be it. I mean, like for, forced, what's, you know, forced family fun. Well, this is like forced new friends, I guess. It's kind of what it felt like. It's like, it was an opportunity for me to meet some Christians, meet some people who, who wanted to, uh, to know more about Jesus, to, to be like Jesus more. Uh, and so I signed up for one, didn't know a soul. And, uh, it was to the first mission trip I went on was to Denver, Colorado. Um, so we literally packed in uh, a few vans, a bunch of college kids, um, 
what eight well it probably would have been a 12 hour drive from cedar falls it's a long drive and so you know you got nothing but time to meet people to get to know them to you know play games or whatever and so it's just like one of those things that it was awesome it was like it was an answer to prayer it was in that trip that i i, I found some community i met some some great friends um i, I really found myself uh you know, in a place where I, I now had friends, I, I didn't feel as lonely. I had an outlet. And then I, I also met, uh, a couple of, of adults, you know, they were, they were like the, uh, staff people, um, who were leading the college ministry who really, uh, were so gracious to open up their, not just themselves and be available to me, but like their families, like they'd invite me over to their homes. And so Sunday after church, I'd go hang out with them. Or if I, if, you know, if something was going on in the weekend and, or nothing was going on, I, they were always like, Hey, yeah, you can come over. And so I just started finding this community that I was craving. And, and with that, um, I, I sensed a shift in my soul. So from that time that I heard that hymn, um, to wanting to go to church, to, to kind of like stepping into my comfort zone and, and, and going on this spring break mission trip to finally finding some friends and some people, uh, you know, a Christian community to be a part of. And, and then another thing happened where I just started craving, um, like to know more about God. I started reading my Bible more, wanting to read, to memorize scripture, um, started reading books. I didn't know that Christian books were a thing, um, that like there were authors out there that were writing about the Bible and teaching you how, you know, about godly living. And so I started like picking up books, John Piper, don't waste your life. Um, Mark Driscoll was a, a big, uh, pastor, very prominent at the time. Um, you know, and so, some other guys that maybe have fallen off the horse, um, but guys that were influential, at least getting me to, to want to be a learner, to know more about God, to dive deep, to study, to read, to get into my Bible. And, and I just loved it. And, and with that, I, I started meeting, um, more friends that wanted to take this seriously as well. And so I got, um, invested into a small group and, and I met a couple of my buddies, lifelong buddies now, um, who are part of sacred city Davenport. Um, and it's like guys that, that have shaped me that, that I hope that I've shaped in some way that were just like so impactful, such a, it was such a powerful season, uh, of ministry. And just to see like being in that community, what God was doing there, like there was a kind of community that I've never experienced before, never thought even it was possible. Um, and it was, it was awesome. Uh, I loved it, man. So many good things happened. I grew in my faith, grew with my relationships, um, and, and some lifelong relationships with that. And it started making me think, you know, like, uh, I think I want to do ministry. You know, at the time I was a music major. I thought maybe I'm going to do music ministry. Uh, and so I got involved with the church doing a music uh, ministry internship and being involved in the worship band and, and leading worship with this uh, campus ministry thing. And, you know, it's just, it was like a really exciting time in my life. And, and looking back, there's just so much, uh, awesome stuff that, you know, I don't know if I could ever recreate it again, but it was just a grace to me. Um, but that really ignited a hunger in me. And as I started getting reading, I, I was reading widely. Um, but, but I started getting more and more introduced to like reformed theology. Um, that was something different than what I grew up with. Um, not completely, but there, there was just like a, a new audacity with it. There was like a new, uh, pat, new passion for theology, um, that I was being exposed to. Um, and I, and I just started like leaning in on some of those things. And I, I kind of, I became, this happens to a lot of young, you know, there, there's, there's a, uh, what is it called? A, a, uh, what is it called? Uh, 
an alias. That's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, for uh, young reformed Christians, the young, reckless, and reformed is, is basically what I was. Uh, I thought I knew a lot about the Bible. I really didn't know that much is what I thought. I thought I had a lot of good scholars and, uh, and, and, and um, you know, influences that were, you know, guys that I was gung-ho about and, you know, and, and there was some, a lot of good about it, but it also made me pretty reckless in the sense of uh, being a critic about previous church experiences, the church that I was a part of. Which I still stand by some of the the crit- critiques that I had about it. I, I don't necessarily stand by the way that I went about critiquing it, but um, but one of the things that one of the deficiencies of my experience in church and college was the community that I was part of was was so awesome, so good. But the 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 defect of it was that it was so insular. It was not engaged with non Christians. It wasn't about being a space, you know, where where people like skeptics uh, and, and seekers really could really come in. Um, you know, like it, it was sort of like, hey, if if you if you're like us, you you can fit in here. And and so I, I realized that it was very insular, inward focused community. Like it was community that was primarily about serving my needs instead of a community that's focused on on serving the mission of God. Uh, and so I, I just had this, this new sort of, uh, passion and zeal for, uh, wanting to be part of a church that was missional, like really concerned and, and adamant about seeking out the lost, preaching gospel messages, living a life that reflect the glory of Jesus. Um, that was worthy of people asking, uh, questions about, you know, like, why are you the way that you are? And, and giving the answer that it's, it's because of Jesus. Um, and so I just really had this hunger to be part of that missional thing, to see people come to Jesus and be saved and be baptized. You know, so I, um, I, I started realizing that was sort of a, kind of a, a big deal and wanting to be part of a community that had a high value for community, but a community that was also, um, internally, in, internally, f- um, minded, you know, caring for the people who are there, but also externally focused. Like we want to reach people here. And about that time, my friend, uh, who was from the quad cities was telling me about this church plant. Uh, his previous, um, his previous youth pastor was planting a new church in the quad cities that was basically bringing all of these streams of my desires together, right? Um, reformed in theology, um, <laughs> contemporary in worship, right? This charismatic feel, um, also engaged with mission, reaching the lost, preaching gospel and expository message. And so it's just like, whoa, I didn't know such a church existed. He's like, yeah, you should come check it out. And, um, at the time I was like, you know, chasing some job opportunities in the worship, um, worship music realm, um, and had a couple opportunities just didn't really you know, nothing really excited me, but this opportunity to come to the Quad Cities and be part of something. So I was basically, I was working at Target, um, and I transferred from the Cedar Falls Target down to, um, the Davenport Target. I, I, uh, this buddy lined up a place for, and actually myself and another friend, uh, Ben Mossback, um, moved down at the same time. Uh, my friend Alec Epkis, who was from the Quad Cities, um, lined up a place for us to crash for a few weeks until we could find a place for us, you know, to basically rent. Um, and so I was working at, um, Target, uh, and just wanted to be part of this church. And I jumped in, I, you know, I was trying to serve by, um, playing in the band and, um, doing stuff like that and, and being involved in missional community. Cause I really wanted to be part of this, um, this kind of community. And, and, and so, um, had some great, 
the first year was crazy. It was wild. Um, you know, it's like you go back to like the first year of a church plant. It's sort of like Lord of the Flies. Like there's just so much chaos, so much, uh, you know, drama, so much stuff going on. But man, it was a fruitful time for me. Um, a lot of God brought me deeper and deeper into my understanding of the gospel. A lot of relationships that I had fractured, um, I had a desire to repair and to, um, to be reconciled and at least to ask for forgiveness. And so that was awesome. Um, a desire to engage with mission. And it was kind of weird cause I moved in, I don't know anybody. Um, and you know, I just, mission isn't really my strong suit. I, I I've mentioned that before, but wanting to, to get better at it, wanting to see people come to faith. And so at target, I was really trying to live like a missionary, be a missionary, know, know the people that I worked with. And, you know, it was kind of hit or miss. I had a lot of fails, probably had a lot more fails than I had any successes. Um, but then that transitioned into a, uh, I moved into, um, selling cars. Um, I just had to pay my bills, do a better job paying my bills. So I, I took this job at a car dealership trying to pay, pay my bills, um, selling some cars. Um, and all the time I'm doing this, I've, I've, I've sort of graduated from, you know, role to role within a missional community of serving as, you know, I, I'd lead prayer or, you know, I'd, I'd be responsible for our group mission. Um, and then slowly sort of working my way into more and more responsibility to where I was asked to step up as a, a co-leader of a missional community. And at that time, it's like right now we typically have like two, like two sets of co-leaders in our mission community. This is a, a mission community that had like four sets of co-leaders. And so I was in the ground on that. Um, we launched a new missional community and, uh, you know, just kind of cutting my teeth. And, and the more I did that, the more I was like, you know, that, that feeling of maybe I'm called to ministry, um, kept nagging at the back of my mind of like, maybe this is actually true. Maybe, and it's not music ministry, but it's actually like pastoral ministry. And so, um, I remember pastor Justin, uh, who was planted sacred city Davenport, um, preaching a sermon at one point saying, Hey, listen, if like, we want to be a church planting church, if you have a desire to be in ministry, you want to be a church planner, shoot me a message. And, and it's like, I think I have that. So I shot him a message. He's like, great, let's, let's get coffee. We got coffee and he's pitching this vision of, about doing a, a, a pastoral residency, right? Kind of like testing my calling. Uh, cause I feel like I had a lot of, you know, just like raw gifting that, that would lend itself to the ministry and, you know, I, I needed to, to be refined and that calling to be clarified. And, and, you know, it's, I was like, maybe I'm maybe church planting, not sure. Um, so I, I gave myself to a year, I raised support. I kind of like cold Turkey quit, just trusting God, um, to provide. And he did, man, it was crazy that those first couple of years of residency was crazy. How, first of all, just how oblivious I was about real life, but also the, the fact that God just had us. Uh, we had, were recently married. Becca was doing her student teaching. We didn't have a lot of income coming in yet. God provided for us through that whole time. Um, and so I, I got to cut my teeth kind of doing ministry, reading a lot of books, um, meeting with pastor Justin, um, going to conferences and stuff, just like trying to help me discern if ministry was the right calling for me. And, and we got to the end of the year and 
you know, I, I felt like, yeah, it's more clear this year than it was before, um, that the Lord's calling me to ministry and, and, and that could be affirmed by the people around me. And so we started at the year two, which was a church planting residency, kind of testing if, if God is going to call me to be a church planner and, you know, being a part of a church plant, you think it's cool. Um, you know, it doesn't take very long for you to be inside of a church plant to realize, yeah, it's cool, but actually it's really hard. Uh, and so I kind of, the, the, um, the honeymoon phase of church planting had worn off. And so, um, we're trying to like, is this really what God's calling me to? And, and so another year it went by and, and, and it ended with, you know, like, I think there was some affirmation, the church had grown and, and from the beginning we said like, you know, uh, Sacred City was about making disciples, planting churches, renewing the city. And, you know, we part of planting churches was contributing financially and praying for church plants in our um, in our network, actually nine network, um, but also wanting to be a church that actually planted a church. And our, our the church had grown to that point. We we're about three and a half, four years in where Sunday gatherings were getting pretty full. And um, the decision had to be made either we one, find a bigger space to meet so we could keep meeting uh, with one gathering. Two, go to two gatherings, which at that time, you know, it's like you, you have limited resources, limited um, time from people and volunteers. It's it's not always the best option. Um, and didn't really want to do that. Valued meeting together as, as one. Or three, we put our money where our mouth is and plant a church. And so this is where, you know, all those years of Pastor Justin um, investing in me and, and discipling me, um, you know, helping me cut my teeth as a preacher, as a pastor, uh, missional community leader, all those things, you know, like, it's like, okay, we think it's time uh, that that we pull the trigger and we move forward with planting a church. And so part of that process was for me to be assessed by the Acts 29 uh, Church Planting Network. And so um, it's a long assessment process. There's there's uh, a very long written uh, part of it that, go, that goes in it. Um, so you, you do this long test, basically, written test. Um, and then the really hard part about it is you spend a, at that time, the process looked like spending a few days, um, at, at an assessment. So you'd have like, we, we basically had six pastors from the X-29 network who spent, um, two eight hour days, basically just grilling us. Um, my wife and I asking us questions, not just grilling us, but wanting to care for us, wanting to, to test my, compa- uh, my competencies as a pastor, as a preacher, um, do I have what it takes to plant a church to do it successfully? Can I plant a church and then 10 years later still love Jesus? All of those things that they're, you know, they're looking at. It's like, we want to make sure that, um, that you're in it for the long haul. And so we went through that process and, <coughs> oh, excuse me, felt good about it. Um, I was confident that, you know, the, the, the way that they assess, there's, you know, four categories, you know, one is, yeah, you you have been assessed and you're approved, no red flags, go for it, hit the ground running, boom. You know, not very many people get assessed and and hit that number one category. Number two category is, yeah, we think you're a church planter, um, but there are some things that, that we want, that we want you to be aware of and to be, you know, have a finger on the pulse of, so that way you don't tank your life or tank your ministry. Um, so go ahead with some con- conditions. That's number two. Number three category was, you know, hey, we see this potential in you, but there are just too many things right now for us to give you the green light. And so we would rather you spend a year or two or whatever the timeline's like to get these things worked on, um, to grow in these areas, um, and, and come, come back and reassess. Um, and, and maybe God will give you the green light later on down the road. And, and, and the fourth one is like a no, it's like, we don't see 
or very clearly not right now or not in the immediate future where it's like, we don't see the, the competencies. We don't see the giftings. We don't see, uh, what you need to plant a church or, or maybe you just lack a spiritual depth. And, and so I was thinking, you know, I'll probably get a two, you know, they'll probably tell me, go ahead and plant, but there's some conditions. But what I actually got back with my assessment was a three, which was, Hey, you need to pump the brakes here. Uh, we're talking like you're sitting at a stoplight. You got things you got to work on, um, before you can move forward. And man, I was just for probably like, I don't know, several months. I was just wrecked. I was so upset. Um, because I I thought I was ready. I thought it was like, you know, all of, all of the, the stuff that was going on here locally seemed like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, push forward yet. Um, here are these guys, which I voluntarily said, you know, I, I, I give you access to ask me questions, to pry, to, um, to, to lead and to shepherd me, you know? Um, and, and here they are saying, you know, we don't think you're quite ready yet. And so there are a few areas they wanted me to grow in and which actually, once I was done being a wimp about it, you know, I, and so stubborn, man, I was just so stubborn. I remember I got the call from my assessor and he told me what, what they were thinking after my assessment. And I was like, you know what? And this is just like all arrogance and pride. It's like, you know what? I can see some of the things that you guys are talking about, but uh, I think that you're wrong on a few things. I literally said that to him. And it it was just so arrogant and it just made it obviously clear that I was lacking some sort of awareness. And awareness and growth and depth and spiritual maturity is what God brought in the next year. Um, We endured a couple hard things. That itself was hard. Uh, My wife and I, we miscarried. And so that that led us through a season of of deep grief and, uh, and pressing into community. Um, and, and actually opening our, up ourselves, opening up ourselves to have, uh, more meaningful relationships. Um, and so, man, it just brought a year of growth. Um, and so I was kind of like talking with my assessors and, and sharing about the process and like, Hey, we think that you're ready to get reassessed. And so it was, it was not quite even a year after I had first got assessed that I got reassessed. And after that, they're like, yep, everything that we thought God needed to do in you before you could go plant a church. I think he's done it in the last year, or at least got the ball rolling. Um, and so they gave me the green light. And so that was exciting time. Um, and so, you know, on the fifth year anniversary of the first public gathering of sacred city Davenport, um, the church that pastor Justin passed, uh, planted, um, they commissioned myself, my wife, um, about 45 other people to be sent out from sacred city Davenport. They gave us a, a big check, a handful of people and said, Hey, go plant a church in Moline. And so we did it. Uh, we, we planted a church in Moline, started out at youth hope, which is a, um, a ministry, uh, uh, a parachurch ministry here in the, in the quad cities that's aimed at reaching at risk kids, kids that, you know, aren't likely to be exposed to Jesus. Um, and so, we started meeting in their building on Sunday mornings. They were gracious uh, hosts for us for a few years. And then um, the opportunity for us um, came along for us to buy a building. Now, in that first year, we experienced a lot of growth because people are drawn toward um, new and exciting things. And this was a new and exciting thing. Um, and so we, we just had some sort of explosive growth. Like we, we literally, in within the course of like nine or 10 months, jumped from 50 people to 100 some people. Um, and it was just like, it was so exciting. And then this new opportunity came for us to, to buy a building, a church that was in town, um, had opted to close its doors um, after a hundred and some years of, of ministry. And, and they wanted to put the building in the hands of a, of a, of a church um, to make sure that doesn't get turned into condos or something. And so 
we kind of swooped in and, and most people would advise against this, but we swooped in and we got this building for like, for very inexpensive. It was, it was very, very inexpensive. Um, how much we got this building for. And, and it was just like a really exciting time. We were refreshing it, sprucing it up a little bit, making it fit for us. But, but something happened where in that time where the excitement, the buzz, the push of, of gospel community mission sort of like took the background to um, what was going on with the building, right? We, we became sort of like project focused um, and missed out on some of the church planting gusto that's needed to continue making disciples and planting church or, you know, for making disciples, planting churches and renewing the city um, and reaching the people who are lost in our city. <clears throat> and so we just had like a year of after that. So this is probably like two and a half years in three years. We're, we're like, We've got to reset. Probably two and a half years. We've got to reset. We got to get back to the core, the basics. Um, and with that, man, God brought a lot of good stuff. Um, people being baptized. Um, <laughs> we got parent-child dedications. We've got people renewing their commitment, like people who who were baptized um, as babies, maybe that um, spent their life in church, and now um, now they're actually Christians. They're not just posers, you know, they're not just filling up the pews, but they're actually Christians and they have a relationship with Jesus now. Just a lot of really, really exciting things. Um, and so God continued working. We multiplied a mission community or two. Um, um, and, and the next year I multiplied a missional community in Alito and, and then you COVID hit and, and just became a really hard season for ministry. Um, so much of what we do at Sacred City of being in community is like face-to-face relationships, having that time with people. Um, and so it really presented a lot of obstacles and some setbacks in that regard um, and not getting to experience some of the momentum that we had built in the previous year. Um, and so here we are, you know, like we're we're here, we're still committed to making disciples, planting churches, renewing the city. Um, and, and this is, you know, the whole concept, you know, I kind of started this, this story with, you know, my story being in the church and then coming along with Sacred City Davenport um, later on after college and then planting Sacred City Moline. But, but really, God's mission has all along. I mean, go back to the book of Acts. Uh, I just started rereading Acts with my Bible uh, in a year plan that I've been reading through um, and just reading through the story of of the first century church, the very first church and how it came about and and the way they shared their life together, the way that they met needs for one another, the way they were praying together. They had this zeal for the Lord of being on mission, going to the temple to to tell people about Jesus. And I just had this desire, um, uh, again, to be part of of a church like that. And then to know, to be part of a church like that. And then, then to experience a, a season where we sort of drifted away from that. We got distracted from that. And then to be part of a church again, that goes back to the gospel. Cause really that's what being a Christian is all about is about, you know, we, we go to the gospel, we go to Jesus where our sin is going to lead us away from him. Our sin is going to, you know, we drift away. Um, but the gospel continues to bring us back. Jesus is continuing to pursue us and to be part of a church that, that experienced that kind of like on the large scale and going back to the basics, going back to the, to the DNA about being about the gospel community and mission and seeing that and then get to 2020 and kind of like you hit a brick wall. How do you do this? And so in a lot of ways, 2020 was, uh, was a hard year for that, but so many good things happened. And, you know, I don't, I don't need to go all the way back and, and rehash that, but so many good things happened in 2020, but this is just God continuing to move the ball down the field. We're part of, we're part of something that's so much bigger than, than a four year church plant. We're, we're part of something bigger than a, a nine or 10 year church plant in Sacred City Davenport. We're part of something bigger than the X29 church planting network. That's a, you know, 20 year old network. We're part of something bigger than, you know, than just reformed theology. We're part of 
God's movement in this world to bring sinners and broken people to himself, to give them the power of the Holy Spirit, to give them everything that they need for life and godliness, to put them in community, to, to give them a purpose and a mission in, in the places where they live and recreate, um, to make Jesus known. And we get to be part of this. This isn't something like, man, the day that I think of like, oh, this is something that I have to do, just, I've missed it, you know? And it, and maybe that, that's where you're at. Like, oh, I've got to do church. That's kind of where I was at with when I was a kid at church. Oh, I got to do this. It's expected of me. Just got to put my head down. Well, listen, we get to do this. We're part of something so big, something so epic, something that's literally going to last for eternity, that there's nothing else in life that carries more meaning than being a disciple of Jesus. You know, everything else pales in comparison to it. And so for us to be in 2020, looking at all the hardships that we face, all the obstacles and hurdles that we've had to overcome and look forward and say, man, we still want to be part of this. We want to see the mission of God advance. We want to see the gospel go forward. People get saved. We want to see our hearts, like whether you've been walking with Jesus for a year or 10 years or, you know, some people like 40, 50 years, we want to grow in our understanding of the gospel and become more Christ-like day in and day out. And so this is, this is the part, this is the story that we're a part of. Like we're part of something huge and, and it's not about us. Sacred city isn't like sacred. I, I, I've always said this sacred city is all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about being a Trinity church. It's about Jesus and being the kind of church that he wants us to be and growing into that. And, and by his grace, by the power of the Holy spirit, he's doing that. He's doing just that no matter what adversity we face, as long as we hold fast to the gospel. So I, I just hope that, um, that the story inspires you. You, you want, you get pumped up. You want to be part of this. Um, you know, you, a lot of you already part of this. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're part of this, but to double down and say, God, use me. Let, let's do something epic here in the Quad cities. Let's, let's see gospel renewal unfold before us. Just like the sermon series that we had last year, uh, going through revival, just being people who are really praying for and, and, and participating in the, the work of the Holy spirit so that we might see gospel renewal, um, happen in our lives, in our missional communities, uh, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces and in our city and beyond to see a church planting movement go forward. So again, we're, we're committed. Um, for us, this is the fourth year for Sacred City Devonport. This is the ninth or 10th year that they've said the same thing. Here's our mission. Make disciples, plant churches, renew the city. That's God's plan. That's what God wants to do through the church. That's what we're here for. And that's what we're always going to be about. And so I just pray that you guys will join us in the new year as we continue um, to to move forward in that. I, I'm going to, one of my next podcasts is going to be talking about um my prayer for uh, 2021 and kind of unpacking some of that a little bit more. So uh, I hope you get excited about this with me, um, praying that God would use us in big ways. We'd be open up, open to, to what Jesus is trying to do in us and through us. And this year would be a year where we just see the kingdom of God advance. I love you guys. I, I'm looking forward to what the Lord has in store. Let's, let's do it. Let's give our, our lives over to him and see what the Lord can do in us and through us till next time.